Welcome to Lipstick Attitude, hosted by Dr. Elizabeth King, psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, author, and motivational speaker, specializing in trauma and women's mental health, and Yvonne Haas, psychotherapist and coach specializing in relationships, couples, and women's issues. This show is your dose of inspiration, information, and laughter. In each episode, Dr. King and Yvonne bring you hacks, tips, and inspiring stories to help you live a successful life. So ladies, grab your lipstick. It's time to do this. The Lipstick Attitude Podcast is powered by Suits, Stilettos, and Lipstick Foundation, a nonprofit movement to empower women and children from all walks of life to be resilient, self-confident, and purposeful leaders through education, mentorship, and community outreach. To learn more, visit sslwomen.org. Please note that this show is intended to empower and educate. It is not meant to be utilized as a substitute for individual therapy. Well, good morning, everyone. I can't believe here we are again. Another episode of the Lipstick Attitude podcast. I can't believe uh, it's been how many sessions have we done? Uh, This is number eight. Number eight. Whoa, my goodness. We are moving right along and nobody has (laughs) taken us off the air yet. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's complained, at least not not that we know of. Not not that we know of. Uh, Thank you everyone for joining us again for another episode of the Lipstick Attitude with me, Dr. Elizabeth King and my co-host Yvonne Haas. We're so excited to be here every single time and today is just going to be the two of us. Yeah, that seems a little odd now after we've had guests for the past few episodes. I know. I love I love having guests. Me I, too. I have to say that, you know, doing the, the show, just the two of us, it feels like we're just having coffee and just talking about <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it feels like our normal Monday morning meeting, yeah, except exactly. we won't go into detail about insurance billing with everybody. Well, we won't. We're not. We're not going to do that. Yeah, that's that's part of our conversation every Monday morning. Yvonne and I have coffee together, and yes, we begin our morning talking about insurance payments. It's very exciting. <laughs> it's very very exciting. Not, yeah. not. But today's show, I, I am so excited for because you know we're on a mission to to really dispel the myth about mental health and you know, really get out the message about that it is okay not to be okay and and to remove the stigma from mental health. We talk about this to nauseam and I think we're making some headway. I but hope so. I hope so. I, you know, I am seeing more, young, especially younger people talking about having a therapist or going to a therapist. And I'm hoping that someday, just someday, everyone will be able to say that with their head uh, up high and just being so secure about themselves that they are okay to not be okay. Exactly. But but why is this an important topic? Um, We're going to really dive into it. Um, But before we do that, we always start our show when it's just Yvonne and myself by saying what's new and great in your world. So boom. Your turn, Yvonne. My turn. Okay, so what's new and great in my world is Saturday, I had an online um, Zoom meeting with my daughter's Girl Scout troop, and they honored me with like a volunteer of excellence pit. What? Yeah, I was so excited. So they had this whole luncheon, um, which I didn't get the original email for, and I did not know I would be cooking my own lunch. And for those of you who know me, I don't cook like at all ever. And I had to make homemade pizza, like on the fly. They sent all the ingredients and I was like, what? 
And it wasn't like, you know, bubbly already made crust. Like I had to roll out some dough. Well, <laughs> wait, why did you have to do that if they were honoring you? I don't know. Everybody had to do it. So oh, I guess everybody had to do everybody it. Had to do it. So all the moms and daughters were on there rolling out pizza dough. And man, these people got some fast ovens. Like people are like, I'm done. I'm like, he cheated. Like totally. totally I was going cheated to say, did pizza. you have your husband in, behind the he scenes? He wasn't home. He oh was at the gosh. grocery store. So I was like, oh, whoa, Nellie. So yes, but you know what? We played games, they had a scavenger hunt, they had all of these different things. It was really well done and it was super cute. And they did, you know, the best you can in today's time with everything being online. But was, I gotta, your, was your pizza edible? I didn't eat it, truth <laughs> be told, because I'm so removing carbs. But Courtney ate like four slices of it. I made three small pizzas. Miles ate an entire pizza and my husband ate the other one. And they said it was good, so but I didn't like make the sauce. It came pre-made for me. So all of that, all I had to do was literally roll out some dough and cook it. But oh, well, you're a baker anyways. You like I am a baker. Pizza. So she's not a cooker, but she likes to bake. So I don't get that at all because baking takes so much more work than, than regular cooking. But yes, but when you bake, you only do it for special occasions. When you cook, oh. people expect that crap every night. I'm not doing that. Well, yeah, I'm kidding. I have the best of both worlds. I like to cook, but I'm not cooking for everyday cooking. I cook for guests. I'm sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I have one of those boys that cooks too. So oh. <laughs> they're the best. Ladies, That's the hottest thing he ever said to me was, I cook. Yes, I agree. Yes, I will marry you. <laughs> Sold. Sold. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. But it was a beautiful event and I got a beautiful pin and other little gifts and stuff that they had for us. So it was super awesome. So I'm very That's excited. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. You deserve it. I know that you do a lot for those girls and I know you love it, but it's a lot of work. So <laughs> congrats. It is a lot of work. All right, work. my friend, ready? My Boom. turn. Boom. My turn. Well, I just came back, uh, a week or so ago from the Dominican Republic, I went to go see my mom. She turned 85. She looks 60, like it's crazy. She, she is so cute. I gotta tell you, you know, I got to spend the best time with my mom because, well, they have a curfew over there. It's five o'clock in the afternoon on the weekdays. No, sorry, on the weekends it's five o'clock. We, week weekdays it's seven because they have to let people get home from work. Um, but it's super early. But you know what that did for us was that we couldn't go anywhere. I mean, nobody's going anywhere anyways, but that made it extra, extra reason why not to go anywhere because you don't want to be out. They actually will find you and take you to jail. There is like no... They're not they, joking. They don't play, man. They're not playing. They're not playing. But listen, they've been able to contain the virus by doing this, um, because Dominican, Dominicans love to party. Uh, <laughs> we are party people and we love to, we're social people. So they have to be super strict with this or they would be out in the streets, hanging out, partying, dancing, and you know, hugging on people. You know, they just don't, they just don't know when to stop. So the government had to stop them and they've contained the virus. 
but it has been, it was so cool to just hang out with my mom and just have just the best time hearing her stories and just, uh, you know, just really bonding. And then for her birthday, on her birthday day, we hired a mariachi band. Yeah, no, we're Dominicans, not Mexicans, but we love mariachi bands, my mom does. <laughs> and uh, we had them serenade her from the, the ground floor. She's on the seventh floor in her building. And she uh, sat or stood in the balcony and watched the the mariachi sing to her and serenade her from down below. She Aww. says, I'm like Romeo and Juliet. I'm like, yes, you are, mom. <laughs> so cute and she was just singing and just had the best time so um that was just precious and i'm so glad i i did it i was really contemplating on not going because of the virus and i said you know what you know she's older and you know i i just need to be there i i just need to be there one one thing that this virus thing has created for a lot of us i know for me is really, um, you know, reflecting on what's important and who's important in your life mm -hmm. and making sure that you don't take people for granted because so many folks have lost loved ones. And, you know, I just, I just want to make sure that I have no regrets. And so I took the COVID test before I flew in and I quarantined, I did all the right things. So I certainly didn't want to get my mom sick and um, but I did it and it was awesome, awesome, awesome. So my heart is full right now. That's Very awesome. full. Yeah, it was super cool. And you know what? For the topic that we have today about it's okay not to be okay um, and, and talking about mental wellness and mental health, that little bit for me was worth a million dollars as far as what it did for me in my mental health and what it did mm -hmm. for her and what it did for my sister. I know that my mom was getting a little bit depressed just being isolated. And, you know, I, I say social distancing does not mean social isolation, but when you're 85 and you don't have technology, that becomes a little bit more challenging. Um, so, you know, you have to find ways to make sure that you're taking care of your mental health and the mental health of others. For sure. You know, and, and this is a very important time to speak about this because we know that a lot of people are out there, you know, suffering and struggling with, with what this is doing to them. So let's talk, um, Yvonne, why don't you start off with sharing some stats? I think maybe that will set up the framework for what we have to share today. Yeah, I think it's really, when you see these things in numbers, it's really eye-opening for people. So some recent stats just on mental health there are 132 suicides per day in the United States. 17.3 million Americans have at least had one major depressive episode, major depressive. 40 million adults in the US are diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Um, only, and of that, only 36.9% of Americans suffering from anxiety actually receive treatment. And so that's more crazy. than, it's crazy because that's one of the easiest to work with mm -hmm. is anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, more than one in five women experience a mental health condition. One in four women will experience domestic violence. 
and one in five men and one in 12 women will experience alcohol dependence. And I have a feeling that one for the women might actually be higher, but women are less likely to report problems with alcohol as opposed to men, just and, statistically. Yes, and the, the one that you said, the one in four women with, that will experience domestic violence, we threw that in there in the stats because why are women more prone to domestic violence and why so many women are being impacted by domestic violence is directly correlated to their mental health. So yes. that, that's why that one is super important. And of course, alcohol de dependency and, and we didn't even go into drug abuse and, and uh, child abuse and all that. The numbers are staggering and, and they're very frightening. Um, but mm -hmm. hopefully you, you get the gist of this. You get the point so that, that mental health is a big deal. It really is a big deal. Yeah, and these numbers are not going down. In fact, they're going up. In fact, they're, they're going, going up. up. Yeah, and the prediction is that the numbers, like suicide rates are uh, increasing. And mm -hmm. uh, Yvonne and I are psychotherapists and we're seeing it in our practices. Uh, we're seeing how folks are being impacted with the coronavirus and the stressors that come along with that. And so those numbers are real, they're big and they're scary. Um, but we're not here to scare you. We're here to give you solutions. And that, that's really the point right. of this show. So let's talk about why is there such a stigma about mental health? Uh, you know, I, I really, so many people ask me about this. And I really think that uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, that movie, mm -hmm. everybody that's over 45 probably remembers <laughs> that. Um, that movie really did great. It, it, it was a good thing because it started people to talk about mental health, but it was also a bad thing because what people conjure up in their minds when they think about mental health is that movie. And right. that was very, very scary to see how people were foaming at the mouth and all that. And, and we're here to tell you that's not what mental health looks like. In fact, we'll talk a little bit more uh, in, a, in a bit that that's really what mental illness might look like. And certainly the way it, mental illnesses are taken care of now, it's not like <laughs> one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So yeah. we're, we're going to dive into that. But I think that movie did wonders in that it, it got us to talk about it, but it also was very scary. I think societal view says that if you go see a therapist or if you even say that you're suffering from a, a mental uh, health issue, not mental illness, but mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about that, that you're crazy. They, they somehow have figured out that it's one and the same, mental health and mental illness, and right. it's not, and it's not. And, and you know, like most things in the U.S., um, we look to celebrities for a lot of things, you know, and recently I'm sure you've seen that there are several, several celebrities who are coming out and openly talking about their clinical depression, their anxiety, their bipolar disorder. Um, and I think that they're trying to do their part to bring some light to these things too. Cause you know, we tend to have a, a thought that, well, if that person has it and I have it, then it doesn't seem so bad. And it actually, for whatever reason, lessens the stigma for people. So I they're am, really coming out now. 
Yeah, and I'm so grateful for that. I am so grateful because the more people talk about it, the less likely there will be the stigma, you know, hanging over everybody's head. So yeah, the, the celebrities, I, I'm grateful that finally they're, you know, being honest, you know, Adele talked about her depression, mm -hmm. uh, postpartum depression and, and all that, which I think is so important that we, that we have these folks uh, out there, you know, sharing their stories and their journeys. You know, people don't feel judged if they go to an orthopedic doctor or if they're going to a doctor for diabetes or whatever it is, you know, they'll talk about it. In fact, they'll say, you know, I just came from the doctor uh, and, you know, they, they'll even talk about going to a doctor for cancer. Yeah. Easier than talking about going to a therapist. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, I just think that that mindset that you think that people are going to judge you, that people are going to, you know, think that you're crazy because you went to a therapist. I, I think that's really damaging and it is uh, stopping people from seeking the help that they need. So it's time that we talk about it. And you and I, gosh, that, that's what all we do, you know, through our right. SSL foundation, through our practice, every time we're out speaking, we talk about it, we talk about it to nauseam because we want people to get it. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because a lot of people would think, well, maybe older generations have an issue with it. But I actually had a very young patient who said to me, she would literally rather be seen in the waiting room of an STD clinic than wow. in the waiting room of a mental health counseling center. Oh my goodness. And she would not come to therapy if I had anybody before her or anybody after her. Oh my goodness. It's, it is just, uh, that's really sad to me. Um, mm -hmm. But that's what our societal views have created. And, um, but the good news is I think we are changing the stigma and, you know, all we can do is continue to speak about it and, and do programs like this one. Right. That, you know, really dives into the differences so that folks can get the information and start getting more comfortable um, and hopefully pass it on to their children. That's really how we change the way society operates, right? By mm -hmm. changing our the mindset of our kids. And so if, if parents can give their kids this gift of being able to talk about what they're feeling, how they they're being impacted, their emotions and, and asking for help when they need it. Oh my goodness, what a difference that will make. I think those numbers will drop significantly when we have eliminated the stigma from mental health. Yeah, you know, my son has actually recommended counseling to other uh, kids. And one in particular, when he had mentioned it to her, she was adamant against it. She's like, I don't believe in it. I don't think it helps. I think it's for crazy people. And I'm like, she's only at the time 13 or 14 years old and already has that heavy stigma. You know, I mean, my kids talk about their feelings very freely because oh, it's just what we promote. <laughs> you don't have mother. a choice actually in my house. <laughs> oh no, we are not keeping this stuff inside. We are talking about it. We're talking about it. To nauseam until to you nauseam. Yeah. Yep. When Miles exactly. was little, I used to tell him, nope, I am your mom. 
and I am a therapist and you cannot tell me no about talking to your feelings. And I would sit on his bed until he would start talking. Oh my goodness, that's something. And you know, um, I have a couple of patients that uh, are teenagers and they have referred their friends to me. Uh, It's really cool. And you know, it's awesome because they will be the first ones to ask their parents to call me and schedule an appointment. And it could be for anything. It could be somebody bullied me or it could be, you know, my friend hurt my feelings, but I need to talk to someone about it because, you know, when you're 14 and your friend hurts your feelings, it's a big deal. It's a really yeah. big deal. You know, kids will take their own life for something like that. Yes. And so my my patients, my young patients will say to their mom, listen, I need to go see my therapist right now. I have something to talk about. And, yeah. and or they will schedule themselves and they'll tell their parents, I have an appointment with Dr. King. <laughs> it's <Yep>. awesome. <laughs> That's when you know that you have done a great job, parents, by the way. Yeah, I, I exactly. When kids can come to you and, and say what they need um, and uh, not be afraid to be judged, you've done a great job in, in raising your kids. Well, let's talk a little bit about the difference between mental health and mental illness because we've touched on this already, but I think this is really where people are confused. Yeah, you know, I think we have to think of our mental health similarly to the way we think of our physical health right? So we don't fill our bodies with crappy food and lay on a couch like a sloth all day, every day, and then expect to feel really physically good. During the coronavirus. (laughs) I'm sorry, outside of quarantine, we don't do those things. (laughs) We all thought thought that we would get away with that, didn't we? (laughs) We don't feel so good. Yeah, and then we end up not feeling so good. But our mental health needs to be cared for and groomed just like our our physical health does. We actually need to feed ourselves with positive thoughts and surround ourselves with positive people. We need to, you know, be practice being mindful of our emotions and we need to practice these things just like you would put your your physical being through exercise. Uh, and if we think of our mental health as as connected to our physical health, And by the way, newsflash, it is. If we don't feel good mentally, it can come out as physical symptoms as well. You know, so they're very much connected. Just like when you get a really bad cold, we won't even go into Corona, but if you get a really bad cold and it puts you down for a few days, mentally, we go down with it. You know, so mental and physical are very connected. But we actually have to, on some level, almost physically take care of our mental health. You know, something just came up in in my mind that I wanted to share. I think if you can think of it this way, if you are impacted physically, for example, you know, I had polio, so I've had 36 surgeries, I've had all this, you can still function if your mental health is is at optimum. Mm-hmm. If your mental health is not at optimum, you cannot function. Correct. That's how important mental health is. So let me say that again, because I think it's important for every our audience to get this. If you are impacted physically, if your physical health is impacted and you're struggling with whatever your physical health, if your mental health is at optimum, you can still function. 
you cannot function if your mental health is not operating at optimum. If you are suffering from mental illness or a mental health condition. Um, so it's so important that we take care of our mental health. And up until recently, people have really been, you know, because of the stigma, not doing the right things on going to see a therapist for a, a tune-up or a checkup or, you know, to talk to someone. Um, mm -hmm. Mental illness are illnesses, like they are a diagnosis like schizophrenia or bipolar or personality disorders. Most people do not suffer from all those things. You know, right. it's just like you can have your sugar elevated and not be diabetic, right? Yeah. Well, you can have depression and not be clinically depressed. It may not be uh, a chemical uh, imbalance in your in your brain, it could be a situational depression. And so mental health conditions like situational depression, because you've lost a loved one, because you feel anxious about what's going on in the world with coronavirus mm -hmm. or with your job, your financial situation, that's situational. That is not a mental illness. That is just a, a time and place that you might need to just get uh, a checkup just to talk to someone to process. Of course, situational um, conditions such as depression and anxiety may trigger something else. And mm -hmm. it could be that you might have had some trauma in your past. And so now it's being compounded. And so now it feels worse. And so therefore you may have suicidal ideations. You might want to take your life. So you don't see hope. You don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So right. um, clinical depression and clinical anxiety, where it's a chemical imbalance may require some type of medication, but that does not mean you're crazy because you have clinical depression either. It just right. makes you feel very sad and we just need to balance those hormones and balance what's going on in your brain. Yeah, if we, if you think of clinical depression as, you know, so in your brain you have all these neurons and synapses and they're supposed to have uptake and reuptake and all of these different things that happen in our brain neurologically. When those things are not firing the way that they're supposed to, then we might need medication in order to write that. But what's interesting is that if you have more cancer cells and they want to give you treatment for that, we go right ahead and, and we do that. But it, it's still a physical thing that is happening in the brain that we have a possibility of really, you know, getting support for and correcting, but yet we'd, we'd rather go for the cancer treatment. Right, exactly. I had a I had a patient that for the longest time I kept recommending that they go see a psychiatrist because I'm not able to prescribe to take a look at what was going on uh, chemically because we had tried pretty much everything and I'm a holistic therapist so I'm not jumping into let's go for medication. Mm -hmm. We had tried everything and nothing was working. And so I, I recommended, and he was really resi resistant about it, didn't want to do it because of the stigma. Finally, I got him to, I said, listen, just try it. And if it doesn't work, 
it doesn't mean that you have to stay on it forever. And, uh, and, and you can get off of it when you are ready. And so he finally gave in to it. And honestly, he has done such an amazing turnaround. And now he lives his life. He's able to function. And I'm telling you, we had tried everything. Mm. So it's okay to, right. to try different approaches and medication may, may be one of those. And that still does not mean that you're crazy. It just means that you have a chemical imbalance, just like if you had diabetes. It doesn't mean that you are eating all the candy and all the chocolates in the world. It might be that your body doesn't produce the right amount of insulin. And right. you have to you know, mediate it by taking medication. Um, you don't feel embarrassed to say, I'm diabetic. Why should you feel embarrassed by saying, I need a little help because I am clinically depressed? Um, there's no stigma to that if you speak about it and speak your truth. And I also just want to throw in that if you do start taking medication, that is not a reason to stop coming to therapy. They work hand in hand. And what happens is some people say, oh, as long as I take the medication, I'm fine. No, you still need to learn coping skills. You still have things that you need to process. They work together. They're not, you know, separate entities. You stop one when you start the other. I'm so happy you said that because I think the process part especially is so important. You know, you can't talk to your friends, your loved one, uh, your husband, your wife about the same things that you talk to Yvonne or me because they're, they may judge you, may, they may not understand, it may be, they may be too close for comfort where we're impartial, we're on, you know, we're unbiased, we're listening and we're professionals and we're, we have the tools to give you so that mm -hmm. you can go ahead and implement them in your life. It's way different than talking to a friend. So that yes. even that processing makes a big difference. I don't know, Yvonne, if this happens to you, but I have had so many patients just even on the first session, they'll say, oh my gosh, I feel so light. Oh yeah, I absolutely. Like I just dumped everything on you. And some of them even apologize. I'm like, listen, this yeah. is my job. <laughs> it's okay. This is, this is why I'm here, actually. <laughs> this is um, why I'm here. And you know, I want to point this out too, because I know you, you, you see this all the time as well. So many men are resistant to coming to therapy mm -hmm. and they come to the first session and then I can't get rid of them. Yeah. Oh, Miss Yvonne, I'd like to make an appointment. You have any other time this week? You know, because they're like, wow, this is so different than talking to my, my partner or my wife or so different than, you know, just trying to figure out everything on my own. You know, yeah. so men, trust me, one time you'll one be hooked. Time. You'll be hooked. Yes. I, I, I chuckle all the time because the wife will call me and say, I can't get him in. And then the next thing I know, she got them in and got him in. And all of a sudden, he's making the appointment before yep. she ever gets to the phone. <laughs> and then sometimes the wife drops off and you're like, wait, wait, how, why am I with your husband now <laughs> twice a week? I'm just kidding. It's, but it's so true. It's it is very true. true. It is very true. Uh, I want to answer this question because I know this has come to us a few times. Are suicidal thoughts a sign of mental illness? That depends. You know, so 
if you are having suicidal thoughts because you're overwhelmed with what's going on in the world right now, or you, I, I read an article about a woman who took her life after her child passed away, you know, or you have suicidal thoughts due to a divorce or other situational types of happenings, then no, they're not a sign of mental illness. But I think when you have suicidal thoughts, because I was, before we went on air, I was telling Dr. King, I, I used to have a receptionist and she was diagnosed uh, with schizophrenia and she took her life. It was in connection to a mental illness. So if you are having suicidal thoughts, do not be afraid that all of a sudden you, you just have mental illness. That, that's not the case. Yeah, it could be totally situational. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, I, I always say um, it's a permanent solution to a temporary situation. Yeah. Because most of the people, <clears throat> excuse me, that take their life, it's because they are hurting so bad at that moment for some particular situation that if they just would wait a minute and get the help that they needed, they probably would be alive today. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why one of the reasons that we are out talking about this, because, you know, so oftentimes we lose people to suicide because they did not get the help that they needed when they needed it. And because they are afraid to ask for help because in their mind, if they did, they would feel weak or they're mentally ill or whatever they conjured up in their minds that stops them from asking for help. So mm -hmm. please, 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 if you are in a situation that you are feeling so hopeless that you want to take your life, there's a lot of resources out there and you need to seek them out. 911 is the first one you need to know. But of course, there's a national suicide hotline. And if you're just feeling not, I shouldn't say just, but if you're feeling that overwhelmed before you even have those thoughts, get the help that you need. Get the help. Um, let's talk about a therapist versus life coach because you and I have this conversation over and over again. And I'm not sure. It's a sure. hot topic. It's a hot topic for us. But I think it's so important that we talk about it today on this podcast so people will really be clear on the differences and when it's okay to go to one and not the other. Mm -hmm. So what is the difference between a therapist and a life coach, Yvonne? Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything is the difference. No, listen, I, first of all, if you're a therapist, you have gone through years of schooling. So you have an education on every disorder, every type of therapy, every approach, you know, all kinds of, of issues that go on for people. So, you know, Dr. King and I both have a master's degree, you know, in, in the field. And so you, you have that, and then you go through a rigorous training. I mean, you have to do a practicum where you're in seeing patients and you're like in the field and you're, you're working with a supervisor who's, you know, watching over you to make sure that you are, you know, not causing any harm to anyone or that you're diagnosing correctly and you're giving them the right treatment approach. You know, education is, is a huge, huge difference in the, in the two industries. 
Now your therapist could also be a great life coach. Like you might just need someone to kind of cheer you on. Maybe you've worked through all your traumas or family dynamics and things, and you just want to keep that person as accountability. Yeah. For accountability reasons, you know, it's a whole different story, but your life coach cannot be your therapist. Can you say that one more time? I, I you know, I feel <laughs> like I'm a preacher here. For the people in the back. <laughs> For the people right. in the back. I, I want you to underline, underscore, you know, exclamation mark. Yes. Go your ahead. therapist can be a life coach, but your life coach cannot be a therapist. There we it go. does not work in reverse in that, in that way. Well, this is a funny story that came, came up the other day, and I, and I said, oh my gosh. So uh, my boyfriend is studying for his real estate exam um, here in Florida. He had it up in New Hampshire, but he's, he's taking his exam uh, here and he wants to get, you know, licensed as a real estate uh, agent. So I have a couple of people that want to buy homes and they wanted to speak to him. He says, oh no, I can't talk to them. I'm like, what do you mean you can't talk to them? Because I cannot talk to them until I have my license. I am not allowed. I will get fined. I will be, you know, possibly uh, rejected to receive my my mm -hmm. uh, license. I'm like, what? You can't even like like connect with them. He says, no, not until I have to after I have my license. I said, wow, that was like an aha moment for me because how many people go and take a, a weekend class or they just say they're a life coach because they're alive and they have had a life. <laughs> they say they're a life coach. I, I hate to say it this way and I hate to minimize it because there are a lot of great life coaches out there if they know to stay in their lane. But you, as the consumer, need to understand the difference. Please don't sign up to have services. First, ask their credentials because somebody is not even a qualified life coach just because they're alive. That does not make you a life coach. If they have gone on to take a class, a weekend class or, or you know, a, a one-week class, whatever that may be, then they have some tools that they can offer you. If what the situation is, you know, I want to, you know, be more accountable to the steps that I'm taking to build my career or something like or that. Or write a book or... Or write a book. That, that's fine. Um, but if you're feeling sad or if you're feeling, de you know, really depressed or have anxiety or if you're feeling... Uh, overwhelmed to the point that you can't function or you're just not feeling right, the first step is to see a therapist. Maybe after you have processed that, if mm -hmm. your therapist does not do life coaching, then you look for a life coach. Like Yvonne said at the earlier part, she said, it, there is a time and place basically for one and the other. Right. Yvonne and, and, and I were both doing both things. So I very easily, you know, graduate people from therapy to life coaching. And sometimes mm -hmm. we go back to therapy because life is happening, you know, all the time. So someone might have dealt and processed what they came in for. 
And so we moved to accountability and giving them different types of tools in the life coaching arena. And then something else might happen. They might have lost a loved one um, or they might be have lost their job. And so it's a lot more emotional right. and things are conjured up. So we go back to therapy, you know, and it, it's like an ebb and flow of back and forth. You know, which brings me to if you're currently seeing a life coach, but you're feeling like it's not working, something isn't you're, you're not feeling the impact that you were hoping to receive through the coaching, it might be because there's something else going on that the coaching doesn't touch. Like you might have depression, you might have anxiety, you know, and it would be perfectly acceptable for you to then switch over to a therapist and deal with those issues and then try coaching again to see if you get the results that you're looking for. Something but was stopping you. Stop, something is stopping you, but be sure to ask either your therapist or your coach, what their credentials are. Make sure mm -hmm. you read and research. And just because somebody took a weekend class or a week class and have a certified coaching certification doesn't make them the right person for you. Um, and, and by the way, not all therapists are created equal. So if you try right. a therapist and you don't uh, vibe with them, it doesn't feel right, or you don't see results, it's okay for you to go see another therapist. Because if you go to a physical doctor, an orthopedic doctor, and he doesn't or she doesn't help you to feel better, mm -hmm. then you would go to a different doctor. You don't go, well, I'm not, never going to go see another orthopedic doctor again. You right. just say, well, let me research and, you know, to see who's out there. And, you know, the great thing about right now where we're doing virtual therapy is that you can now find a therapist anywhere. It's yeah. not just, you don't have to find your local therapist. I, we're seeing people all over the country right now because of telehealth. You know, it, it, it's so cool because you can have access to the best right in your home. So, mm -hmm. you know, don't let that stop you and, and make sure that you do your research so that you know that you're getting the best treatment. Yeah. And the other thing about that that I want to mention is that uh, not all therapists are specialized in the same areas. Right. So make sure that you ask the right questions. I specialize in anxiety, depression, panic attacks, and PTSD. So... I am trained for trauma work where Yvonne, for example, does couples and families, and that's her specialty. She's gone to extensive uh, class and coursework to, to be trained in that, and that's her area of expertise. So can I do couples? Absolutely, and I do it. Uh, can she do trauma? Absolutely, and she does it, but it comes to a point that if it's unresolved tra trauma, Yvonne will refer to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, that's okay. And all good therapists or all great therapists will know when to refer out and to stay in their lane. Just right. like an orthopedic doctor would not be taking care of your heart. You would not expect them to be a heart surgeon if they, they do bones. You right. can't expect everybody to do everything. So please uh, understand those differences because they will make a big difference in how you will feel and how fast you will feel better.
So as we have now moved into uh, through this podcast, um, through all these different areas. Now I want to talk about how do we remove the stigma from mental health? How does that finally get to change? Yeah, the, the biggest way, I mean, when I mentioned earlier, the celebrities are normalizing it and that's a huge help, but we just need to talk about it. You know, the same way you would talk about, I mean, women will talk about going to all kinds of plastic surgery you know, and, but not their mental health. So if we talked about our mental health as freely as we talked about our cancer treatment or just going for a routine physical or, or anything like that. Or having we a boob would, job. Or having a boob job. I mean, come on. We would lessen the stigma tremendously because people like to say, oh, I've, I've gone through that too. You know, it normalizes things for people when, when we're able to do that. I mean, sometimes even just telling a client that I have several women calling me with anxiety during this time, they're like, oh, really? Like, they have no idea. You know, uh, I have um, in the past, I would say four months, received um, probably about 30 to 40% of my patients um, have been women in their early 30s, anywhere between 25 and early in, I would say mid 30s actually. And I've been talking to them about them coming to therapy and what has uh, been the impetus to get them to therapy. And they, they said, every single one of them, because I've been interviewing them about this, is that they were just tired of feeling sick and tired. They were yeah. tired of feeling like they could not function, even though they were functioning perfectly fine. Even like in in the outside world, it appeared like they were functioning perfectly fine. They were doing their work. They were husbands, uh, wives. They were, yeah. you know, friends. They were doing everything that people thought was the right thing. They looked apart. They looked successful. They looked, you know, beautiful. They looked confident, and on the inside they didn't feel any of that. Right. And, you know, hence why we started Suits, Stilettos and Lipstick way back in 2012, because we saw that. We saw that from women from all ages. And now I'm seeing it for women that are younger, you know, in their early 20s, mid 20s, feeling like they are not enough. That alone, when you don't feel like you're enough, that's mental health. That's mental health. That's your mindset. So if you mm -hmm. can think of how your mindset is operating, that is mental health. You want to deal with those uh, feelings and those thoughts about who you are, because that shows up wherever you go. If you're feeling that you're not enough, what's going to happen? You're going to pick the wrong partners. You're yep. going to feel isolated. You're going to feel like you are not as successful as the other woman that you see on social media. So you might start drinking excessively. You start doing drinking or being promiscuous or just, you know, isolating. I mean, the, it shows up in so many different ways because you don't feel like you're enough. So that's, that's a reason to go see a therapist. That's a reason to go and process because that came from somewhere. So we need to dig deep down so we can 
reboot the system. You know, it's almost like putting new information into, into your mind so that you are able to move forward and not feel that way and have resiliency. Right. Um, so I, I see, I see the great possibilities, um, coming our way. I see a change of mindset. I see a change in society, but we have to continue. And really, I dream of the day where everyone will talk about having a therapist. I dream of the day where everybody will talk about freely about their mental health and their mental well-being. Um, I dream of the day where people and children especially will say, I want to go see my therapist today. Mm -hmm. And I dream of the day that everyone is going to be okay with not being okay every single day and not judging others because that's the thing. If, if we are to change this, we also have to do our part in not, not making people feel bad about sharing their right. experiences, not looking down on them or gossiping about them. Oh, shh, went to see a therapist. Well, have you not ever been depressed? Have you not ever been anxious? Have you ever not had insomnia? You must be a unicorn. You are a unicorn because yep. if you're human, you have experienced this. And so it's okay not to be okay. And it, more importantly, once you figure that out, it's okay to ask for help and go see a therapist. Absolutely. Well, I am so excited that we did this program. I hope that it will touch many lives um, because we really want to make sure that you are living your greatest life. And that's what this program is about. That's what we do in suits, stilettos, and lipstick in our practice and our everyday life. Yvonne and I were out there making sure that the message is loud and clear, that we're mm -hmm. here for you and that there is hope and that there is help. There's so, always hope. There is always hope. All right, ladies, whip it out. This is our lipstick attitude. What is the lipstick attitude? It is our war paint. It reminds us that we are strong, that we are resilient, that we are courageous warriors, that we are going to get out there and face the world. So put it on, ladies, and let's do this. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and uh, we'll be back with another episode of the Lipstick Attitude podcast very soon. Make sure that you're subscribing, that you're commenting, that you are, that you are sharing. Someone out there needs to hear this message. Have a great one. God bless. Have a sassy day. Have a sassy day. Bye.